to part two of this episode with Jason and Erica. In this part, we are going to focus more on fitness, what it means to everyone, and how it can impact us both mentally and physically. So Erica, to start, um, can you please remind all of our listeners um, what courses you have completed and what that means for you when you're working with your clients? For sure. Um, So I'll just touch on a few. Um, So the one that has probably impacted my training the most is fascial stretch therapy. Um, So for those who don't know, and many don't, um, I'm able to stretch clients manually. Um, So this allows me to feel imbalances or restrictions that they may have. Um, At the same time, I'm coaching clients through breathing techniques and I'm taking them through movement. Um, So, and the the end goal is to downregulate the nervous system, really. Um, This type of stretching, it's based around the fascial nets um, and fascia is a layer of connective tissue and it connects every system in your body, every muscle, every organ, everything is connected uh, through fascia and they um, take different routes or um, paths through the body. Um, So that training has allowed me and opened my mind to sort of seeing the body as an interconnective system. So my approach with every client is not to like train a certain muscle or stretch a certain muscle. I'm really looking at the entire body as a whole. Um, So that's kind of fundamentally like impacts kind of the place that I come from, I think there. Then I'll bring up functional range conditioning. So this course is all about mobility. Um, And there's some confusion about mobility, but to put it simply, mobility is flexibility plus strength or control. Okay, so it's not about just being able to passively do a stretch, but you also have control of that range of motion. Um, So this training allows me to help clients, number one, build new range of motion in areas where they need it. Um, but then also um, gain strength and control in the ranges that they have. So it's about body awareness and, and joint health and, um, and feeling good, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then the third one I'll bring up, I won't bore you all much longer here, but um, the third one I'm going to bring up is precision nutrition. Um, so this one is really the coaching methodology that I use um, the most that I kind of took from that course. And it's all about um, creating changes in behavior. So, um, and their approach is sort of to start what's already going, start with what's already going well, and then add in, layer in small incremental and sustainable changes, basically. So what this means for my clients, to answer your question, um, I'm, I'm not just putting people through workouts, although I definitely do put people through workouts. We do that too. Um, but I'm much more interested in collaborating with clients to create new habits, um, to solve problems that they may be having either like maybe that's pain or a mobility limitation, um, or even performance at their primary sport or activity that they like to do and so on. So that's kind of what drives me, I guess. So just because, (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm not super uh, aware of uh, your specialties. Now, is this something like would a client come and see you because of an injury, a pain, or is this something um, as like a maintenance, like a daily kind of thing that what, uh, what would your clients usually be coming to you for? And kind of how should, how should people look at this, um, this form of, uh, I don't know, what would you even call it? Like, 
I call myself a movement coach. Okay, perfect. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so definitely if it's like an injury, um, people will be seeking out like a, a medical professional first and foremost, or a physio, something like that. But I definitely work in, um, in collaboration with those other professionals as well. Um, so things, certain things I have, um, most recently I have a couple, um, clients with plantar fasciitis. That's definitely something that, that we can, uh, that I can, you know, work with. Um, I have, I tend to have, um, a lot of clients with, like neuro chronic neurological, um, conditions. Like I do have a couple of clients with, um, Parkinson's MS, um, and even autism as well. And I'm not, I don't have specific training in any of those areas, but I do take an approach of working with the nervous system and, um, building on like movement patterns and stuff like that. So, I think that's sort of why um, I've ended up working with those populations, but um, yeah. And like, certainly like I've had um, clients with chronic pain. Um, yeah. Things like that. <laughs> Does that answer it? Yeah. 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 For someone who doesn't really know much about it, it definitely works for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's cool. a great, great way to educate uh, myself. And I think if I, I and I think, we were always told in school, if one person has a question, more people are probably going to have the same question. So if something comes up to my head, I was like, I'm going to jump on that because other people are probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. Oh, and to, sorry, you had asked, had asked one more thing, which was if it's um, like also like a maintenance yeah. thing too. Yeah. So I also have um, quite a few clients who call it like neurotypical um, who are like looking to you know, um, just move better, um, gain balance, gain body awareness, get stronger, all those kinds of goals. So. And is this something that people of different ages can take advantage of? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So my youngest client right now is 13 and, um, and then my oldest client I've worked with was like in his late eighties. So yeah, it's like, um, all, all humans, (laughs) can uh can i don't know <laughs> i don't know I like where i was it. going all humans yeah you're not limited yeah. to anybody no no and you're willing from the sounds of it to learn more as you go on For to sure. help more people and maybe with specific concerns correct mm-hmm. absolutely yeah awesome so we asked about what your view was on food on the last episode now let's flip it and see what your views are on fitness. And I think let's start with Jay and see kind of what your view is on fitness and uh, we'll go from there. Um, Okay. Um, For me, fitness is, uh, I guess it's about the ways we choose to move our bodies. It's uh, and finding ways to maintain our body's ability to move and keep our minds healthy. Um, It's a, for me, it's definitely been a journey of finding what you love and always maintaining that motivation to keep doing it. Um, I certainly wouldn't be caught dead in the gym. It's just not my comfort level, but being outside running, skiing, cycling, hiking, that's really easy. I love doing it. And uh, I guess 
I guess at first it didn't, it, it seemed like that was too easy. Like I kind of think I was like, if I'm not going to the gym, I'm, I'm probably not doing this right or, or something. It took me a while to actually digest the fact that I could enjoy these activities and maintain fitness. Um, another thing worth mentioning for me is like, just for me finding my fitness, it's been such a great way to mitigate stress and anxiety and uh, finding that balance has been really key in my life. Over to me. <laughs> Take it away. Okay. Um, so in my mind, it helps me to break it down into sort of two um, categories. So I like to divide it into like movement and then like training or exercise, whatever, however you want to think of that. Um, so movement is how you choose to use your body on a, on a day to day. I think it's tied for me a lot more up, uh, tied up with lifestyle. Um, this could contain all the things you love doing, like hiking, gardening, um, running, whatever that is for you. Um, walking, playing with your dog, your kids, your grandkids. Um, it's important to me that those movement things are, um, that I'm feeling intrinsically motivated to do these things. And Jackie, I think you brought that up in one of the episodes that we just listened to, but I'm also really interested in, in motivation. That's like a very interesting topic to me as well. Um, I think movement can also be an approach you try to bring into your day, like um, such as, as simple as like making the choice to stand at work for a little bit um, or even sit on the floor for a little bit and just exposing um, your joints to ranges of motion that they maybe are missing out on um, with the common patterns that um, we maybe do. Some of us maybe do too much of like sitting in a chair, for example. So just like varying that. So it's almost like an approach. Um, and then on the other side of that, for me, I see like training and exercise as the thing that I do to make those other things easier and to also make sure that I can continue doing them for a really long time. So that will be like whatever the needs are of the individual. So that could be making sure you have the proper mobility requirements to do the things that you want to do or um, maintaining strength to be able to get up and down from the toilet when you're 89 or climb the stairs or even like get up and down from the floor. And as we age those things like we maybe take them for granted but they're like big deals so yeah that's kind of how I view it that was a lot <laughs> Erica you my heart is like bursting with joy here because you've said so many things and I'm like in my back I'm like yeah go girl there's uh I'm very passionate about movement more so than than food sorry Jay um, and I love all the things that, that you've said. And, and just, so I teach. And one of the things I tell my students is, uh, so I'm an athletic therapist. Um, and, I, and when I teach, I say, why do people, you know, what's the number one reason they go into long-term care? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, they can't get off the toilet, which is a squat, right? Mm -hmm. And so maintaining that 80 year old is so important to keep them out of long-term care. You, uh, when we emailed you, you mentioned this is just, it made me so excited when I see this quote, and I hope you don't mind, I'm going to steal it. Um, you, you, you mentioned that you view fitness as an invention by humans to compensate for the fact 
that we are no longer using our bodies in ways we have before. And I love that uh, because I think fitness is a 20th century invention. Um, you know, Jay, you said you don't like to go to the gym. And so you're kind of saying that we are designed to move and we don't. So we intentionally put it back in our lives. And I love quotes. And one of the ones I always tell my students uh, was said by an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Bill Standish is, movement is the breath of life. So I have a two part question. Why is using our bodies so important? And what are the pros and cons with intentionally putting fitness back into our lives? So uh, Eric, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, why is using our bodies so important? And then uh, Jay, I'm gonna flip that over to you once Eric has answered that question. Um, yeah, first, I just need to say um, the, the, I just don't want you to misquote me. Those are um, not my original ideas. So that idea of like the movement as compensation thing, um, that's actually by the creator of um, the FRC system, the functional range conditioning. So that's like an approach that he kind of takes. So um, I've kind of adopted that, um, but just got to give him credit. Um, but I completely agree with your quote that you shared as well. The movement is the, what was it? Movement is the breath of it is the breath of life of life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Jackie, I'm with you girl. So, um, <laughs> so why is it so important? Um, so yeah, like, so I, I looked, I'm going to get a little statistic -y on you for a little bit here, but, um, this, so in Canada, um, this is from StatCan, the three most prevalent types of disability are number one is pain. Number two is flexibility. Number three is mobility. Okay. Um, and the prevalence of disability also arises with age. So in the age group of like 15 to 24 year olds, it's like 4%. Um, by the time you get over 75 years of age, it's like 43%. Okay. So, so 43% of people over the age of 75 are experiencing this. This is our reality but it really doesn't have to be that way. If you think of those top three areas, pain, flexibility, and mobility, they are three areas that are within our control to some degree. Um, so I also think it's interesting that um, looking at the statistics on that too, the age of retirement is when things get noticeably worse um, and where those numbers really start to rise. Um, we seem to have this notion that we need to stop um, once we start, stop working, we need to just like relax. And I think when we stop moving, that's when bad things happen. Um, and in the simplest, like kind of breaking it down there, um, if we're not moving, we're not using our muscles. And when we don't use our muscles, they get weaker. And also when we don't move our joints, they're going to get stiffer. So it's so important to use our bodies because I don't buy the fact that living a long time is enough. I also have this kind of vision and dream that um, we can also live really well and maintain that independence and be able to go to the, you know, bathroom, get up and down from that toilet. Um, I also have worked with a number of seniors and I have to say that it is possible to gain back some of those skills that have been lost as well. Um, I have worked with folks who can no longer get up and down off the floor and they've 
gotten that back. Um, but at the same time, it's so much easier to keep what we have and maintain that um, as we go into the aging process. So. Jay, how about you? Okay. Why is it important for us to use our bodies? Um, I, I can't stray too far away from what Erica said. I'm not going to share any statistics though, because I can't draw from <laughs> any. Um, but I mean, I, I like in layman's terms, if you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, I'm always really inspired by seeing some older folks who are really active and have never really stopped moving. I have this Oh my gosh, can you talk about your uncle Roger? I was about to. Okay, yeah. thank you. I have this one uncle, Roger. Name dropping. Yeah. And um, he's 87, I believe. He's in his late 80s. Um, he's still downhill skis. He lives in Caledon and he bikes to Orangeville almost every day. He cycles and he's more active than most 20 year olds that I know. And it's sort of funny, like, within my family, sometimes people are like, oh, Roger, he's so crazy. Like, I can't believe he's still doing these things. And they act like it's some fluke. And it's like, no, Roger's been doing this his whole life. <laughs> like he's, he just he, didn't he, stop. He never stopped. And uh, yeah, there's a few people I've just seen uh, that are so inspiring. I have to bring up another story of a man who just came into the restaurant uh, this past weekend and he just had his 98th birthday and he drives from Caledon to Mono Center. He meets his family there and he, he has a cane, but he zips up the stairs. He walks across the dining room. He has a hearing aid, but otherwise he is completely independent. So much so that he met his 70 year old son for Father's Day. <laughs> this past weekend and his son's bike broke down and this 98 year old man had to help his son <laughs> with a broken down motorcycle. And it's just these incredible outliers in our society that are super inspiring. And like Erica said, I think we do have a lot more control over our, our destiny in some way. I know for me, I mean, on the trail uh, on this weekend, we were hiking and there's a, an older couple and, I kind of looked at them and you know, you make those jokes like, oh, it'd be nice, you know, if we were them when we were older. I'm like, no, I would love to be them when we're older. I was like, they were crushing it. And she was, I was like, so are you guys having a good time? She's like, the downhills, just not for me, the uphills. I like those. I was like, that a girl. I, I loved it. She was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Can I, can I ask you, Eric, thinking about your job as a chef, what are the pros and cons with intentionally putting our fitness back into life? And then I'm going to flip that over to you as well, Erica. So uh, Jay, what are the pros and cons with intentionally putting fitness back into our lives? Um, I mean, I just, it's really about finding that time and making it part of your work-life balance. If, um, I've, I've had to work very hard to create some boundaries in my career. Um, especially early on in my career, I, I, I was very, like, very committed to my work and, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week left zero time for fitness. And I, I just let that happen for a few years and it really, um, came crashing down on me. And, uh, 
I, I you know, kind of rebuilt my life around having these spaces. Uh, for me, it started with buying a mountain bike and just sort of like, I need, need to leave time on the weekend to go and get my ride in. And then I found other little things that um, piqued my interest. Um, but yeah, ultimately it was, it was having the boundary. Um, the con is maybe that, yeah, it's, it's going to eat into some other time of something that you might enjoy a hobby, but um, if you're lucky, you can try to make fitness your hobby. Like I, like I've tried to build my life around be it biking or hiking, trail running, whatever you can do. Um, find something you enjoy. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly what Tracy Stewart talked about last week in our podcast. She said, uh, whatever you do, she's an Olympian. She said, just do whatever brings you joy. So I'd love it. Mm -hmm. Erica, what about you? What are some pros and cons with intentionally putting fitness back into our lives? Um, so pros are it's within our control. Um, we can make the choice to, uh, or make choices that will keep us mobile and strong. Um, and then the pros of that as a result are going to be huge you know everything we talked about um keeping independence um all of, all of those benefits um cons i can echo what jay said a little bit um it's it's it can be hard it takes effort um it's hard to add something in without letting go of something else sometimes and i think we are kind of designed that we uh, I don't know. I, we're, we are designed to want to conserve energy and, and relax. Like it, that's kind of our, our go-to. So it does, it it can be difficult and take constant effort to keep motivated and make the choice to do that. Um, I think the other con that kind of jumped out to me is from like an adaptation standpoint, especially if you haven't been um, active and then adding that back in, um, there is there always the risk of doing a bit too much too soon and ending up with an injury. Um, so just being mindful, uh, of taking it slowly and gradually, I think, cause that doesn't have to be the case, but that would be the only other con I can kind of think of. So when both of you are working with your clients, um, whether it's in the food or the fitness industry, um, what are the kind of questions that you ask to try to get into their heads? So um, like to try to see their vision of a restaurant or how to understand their fitness goals or recovery plan. Um, I can start with that one. Definitely questions that seek to understand people's intrinsic motivations, um, understanding what they love to do um, and understanding why as well um, helping people un uncover their true why I think is like a good thing to draw upon in down the line when things get tricky and, um, when it's not as easy or you're having trouble finding that motivation. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, my goal is always just to understand why their goal is important to them first and foremost, and then create a plan together. Um, that fits within their life, basically. Yeah, that's, per that's yeah. perfect. Jay, is there any questions that you um, ask your clients to kind of get a better understanding of what they're looking for? Um, it's pretty rare that I work one-on-one -on -one 
with people in that way. But I think as a chef, you sort of have to be like a bit of a sociologist and try to predict sort of trends and things that people are going to want and enjoy. And uh, I guess like the idea of like comfort food as a chef, when you create comfort food, that's a good example. Like you're trying to recreate um, sort of these things that people can associate their emotions with um, like a, bowl of chicken noodle soup for some that's a pretty common uh common uh food that people consider comfort food um and i think uh yeah for us for the most part what we have to do is try and guess and we use you know our do our best to try and predict what people are going to like and like i said we're we're sort of working as these for lack of a better word, a sociologist and just trying to gauge what uh, works culturally with your certain clientele. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know it's the tricky little thing to hit to pinpoint though, isn't it? <laughs> of course. Yeah. 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 No, I think you said the, the word um, in your answer and I think it was uh, trends and we can go with developments and stuff like that. So how, uh, how do both of you keep up with trends and developments within your industries you know how do you keep you know mentally uh, interested and active in those areas start with jason um just keep reading and finding reference material i'll never forget um when i was interviewed for a job by one of my idols and then one of the interview questions was on what day does the food section of the New York Times release what day of the week does it come out and I was completely like thrown aback it's like I we live in Ontario I don't read the New York Times and the point that that uh, they were trying to get across to me was like everything that we do is is in some way affected by a trend like you, you can you can be unique you can have your own voice but you have to be relevant and you have to keep reading and if it's a trend or a movement you, you need to like stay on top of that wave. Um, you know, you can't be a silo and be, well, it, for the most part, you can't just, you know, do your own thing and get by. You really have to work with what's common. And uh, you see these examples come up. I mean, 25 years ago, I don't think anybody ate kale, but it's everywhere now. I have, I have customers that still yell at me. They say it was pig food when they were growing up and uh, I shouldn't be putting it on a menu. <laughs> But um, these trends come into play and we have to work with it. I mean, kale's always been around, but <laughs> like, um, we just have to find ways to utilize it. And, and you know, uh, for me, it's keep reading journals, blogs, newspapers, the New York Times, apparently, um, social media, uh, new cookbooks. I, um, I keep a lot of that material around. Erica can attest to the clutter. A lot of cookbooks. <laughs> okay so what day does the food section come out in the new york times i couldn't tell you no still no that's no. great i like it <laughs> erica how do you keep up to date um yes yeah, so i follow like you can get a lot of great stuff on social media just you need to seek out the quality information i think but i follow a lot of accounts of other professionals who i 
have a lot of respect for and have learned a lot from. Um, I attend conferences to try to um, just check out courses or seminars that are maybe new topics that I don't know about. And then from there, um, yeah, reading books. Um, I think also like one thing I've been thinking about recently, like I've recently gone back and reread some books that I had read years ago. And it's amazing what you can pick up on that you didn't pick up on the first time through. Um, so I'm also a big advocate for like going back to older information and seeing, and cause you're, you're kind of bringing like a new uh, approach to it completely. Right. Because you now know things you didn't know then. So um, I think you can learn a lot from revisiting older stuff too. Um, in terms of the industry, the last year has been a big roller coaster in fitness and um out of necessity um it's been like the year of the like online and virtual workouts um and i used to be very much against that space like i i thought it was like not personal and i would never do it i'll never do online coaching because it just didn't seem like the right thing to do but then that was like the only thing to do um and I have to say, like, just taking the plunge and uh, being brave because it was not a comfortable space for me to get into, but um, it's been fine. Like, it's been doable. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it's been good. Um, yeah. So just being brave and seeking out things out of your comfort zone, I guess. Erica, I had a t-shirt that I actually wore out and it was exercise with the IS uh, emblazoned in larger font medicine. And I, and I literally wore it out because I, I loved that t-shirt because it was like my motto, exercise is medicine. You mentioned that you work with a lot of clients who have chronic pain. And um, can you describe kind of some of the benefits? Because I think most people think if I'm in pain, how is movement going to help alleviate my pain when, you know, maybe my pain or injury was caused by movement. So can you try, can you talk about the benefits of exercise for chronic pain for, from a physical perspective? And I recognize that you're not a, a, a physician or, or therapist, um, the social benefits and the psychological benefits. For sure. Um, I'm really glad that you asked this um, because it is something I feel very passionately about. Um, and I can also speak from the position of somebody who has a history of chronic pain myself as well. Um, so um, like, obviously we've heard of like endorphins that, that you get from a workout, um, our brain releases certain chemicals when we work out. Um, and that can be, you know, give you that um, good feeling after a workout. Um, but I think that there's something to pushing through a workout. Um, it's a way that we can experience resilience in a physical way and seeing and learning um, that our body is capable of change, capable of adapting, um, capable of getting stronger. And so I think it goes very like a lot deeper than the physical, um, helping to build confidence, um, both inside the workout space, but also outside of that space as well. Um, the sense of feeling strong was always a huge one for me. Like that was like my favorite feeling once I started um, lifting weights specifically um, is the feeling of feeling strong was just like unbeatable. 
Um, in my case as well, it also gave me something else to focus on. So I noticed that my pain always got worse when I was alone and when I had a lot more time to think about my experience and I would kind of get stuck in um, thoughts about like, this is going to be the case forever. Um, Just not productive thought loops, I guess. Um, So adding in exercise for me became a great strategy um, and it, became really crucial for me, actually, not only for my physical well-being, but the psychological and social as well. And I'm glad you asked about the social because I think the social aspect is huge. Finding community can be powerful. Um, Finding people who share similar interests. Um, Jason and I have kind of found that the last couple of years in the trail running community. And that's been pretty big for us and really sad that we haven't been able to um, do that the last year, but hopefully up and coming, um, that social support and social accountability, it's all very powerful. Um, if I can speak a little bit more towards the chronic pain piece specifically though, um, pain is very, is very complex. Um, and it's widely believed now that the experience of pain is determined by the interaction between biological, psychological, and social factors. So there are all of those areas are kind of playing, playing into it. Um, what that means and what that has meant to me is how we think about our pain matters um, and what we believe about our pain matters. And for me, um, some of the most powerful work I have done in relation to my pain has been mindset related, um, in addition to the physical. Um, yeah, so I think approaching it from that multifaceted approach is something to try for sure. But there are definitely lots of benefits there from the physical, from the exercise itself. Uh, but I think addressing things like mindset can be very powerful. I find that so interesting. Um, and that's kind of what uh, the, on the, on the podcast, um, we all have our own SMART goals. And that's kind of one thing that I'm moving my uh, SMART goal towards is just being more mindful. Um, and mindset is huge. Um, so yeah, on the, on the podcast, we do have our own SMART goals. Um, and each of ours are very different. So we were just wondering, um, cause we couldn't do a podcast without talking about SMART goals. Um, what, what do you have for goals for yourselves, um, this coming year and beyond? Do you want to start Jay or do you want me to start? Yeah, I'll start. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, as Erica mentioned, we sort of lost our year of um, doing some running races and trail races specifically. And I think last year in particular, I sort of felt very aimless in my, uh, my fitness because having those races to prep for was really important for me. And I th- I'd had no idea um, this uh, spring, I decided I'm just going to do for myself at no specific pace. I just want to run a half marathon every month. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter the speed, doesn't matter where, but I just want to make sure I can keep my running maintenance and have some form of a goal. I don't care about winning any 
I've never cared about being on a podium. I just really want to like make sure I can keep my, uh, my eyes on some form of a prize. So that was really it. So I think that that qualifies as a smart goal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So have you been doing them virtually or well, obviously I guess this, this past year it's been virtual, but um, like Jackie, I think you did Mount Fuji, right? What yeah, that's all I do is I do, I, I ran the Great Lakes this year. So I think I've done four out of the five Great Lakes. Um, yeah, that's all I do is virtual races in the last year. So I feel your pain, Jay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been missing, missing those, uh, those interactions for sure. There's nothing quite as motivating as having, like I said, uh, I mean, I don't care about being on the podium or even my, my times. I really just want to compete with myself, but there's something so motivating about having a date, a destination, um, a distance, all of those things in mind, like, you know, the week before you get super psyched about races and uh, that was all <laughs> just kind of wiped out last year. I, I didn't do any, I did actually, that's not true. I did one virtual race last year, but it's still, I needed, I needed more motivation in my life. So I had to set my own little goal. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, Erica, what about you? Do you have any goals that you've been working towards? Yeah, um, for me, it's it's very similar, actually. Um, I, I had a hard time last year after all the races got canceled. Um, it really took the wind out of my sails. And um, Jay's done a much better job than me at kind of keeping up with running. I kind of let it completely go by the wayside. Um, it's interesting because I always thought that that was an intrinsic motivation for me. So now I'm questioning all of that too. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting back into it, to setting some goals there, um, especially once um, we can get back to races because I have learned that that is a huge motivating factor for me. Um, I'm excited for it. And I'm also a little bit like excited to be humbled by starting from square one again <laughs> because um yeah we you know we're at the point where we're running some longer distances and I know it's going to be very humbling to uh build that back up again so yeah looking forward to that <laughs> I love it and I honestly I, I can't thank you guys enough uh I had a great insight of of new ideas, uh, new views. Um, I've learned a ton. I feel motivated for food and fitness, honestly. Um, and I think what you guys bring to this uh, is is so refreshing rather than one view, but it seems like though your, your passions are di down different roads, they follow similar paths. And I'll, I'll tell everyone, but I, I sent the email out before and saying one of the questions was, why are you passionate about your partner's um, things? And you guys were both like singing each other's praises and I can clearly, and it's, it's great because I can clearly tell that you're working together and respecting one another uh, in the things that you do. And I think that's very important, not just uh, for you guys, but for anyone who's in the food and fitness community, it's, it's great. Uh, to keep both um, something, things you need to be passionate about and something that you need to respect uh, the other with. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to have you. And, uh, you know, before we sign off, 
you know, let people know where they can find you, um, what you're doing, all that kind of stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, so you can find me, I have a website. It's ericascoby.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is stretch with scobes. Um, and, uh, I have know, a variety of one-on-one and group training options. Um, yeah. Jason. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm currently working at the Mono Cliffs Inn. I'm there five days a week. You can find me on my two days off in my garden. Um, <laughs> but oh uh, yeah, all kidding aside, um, we're at the restaurant just looking forward to reopening and have a really, having a really fun summer and uh, getting lots of guests back. And I just want to thank all of you guys for this conversation. This has been like such a great experience. Um, and it's been really awesome to meet all of you and, and chat and hear your thoughts too. So thank you so much for inviting us on. This is so cool. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. So we've been talking a lot about uh, moving and motivation and keeping things going. But I think this week we should try and take an opportunity to talk about those times where we unplug, where we relax, where we have to hit pause uh, every so often. And I know, Jess, uh, you've made this part of your goal uh, for the next little while. So let's start with you talking about kind of how you unplug. What what do you do to disconnect and to relax when you can? Yeah, I, um, I really have been trying to make it be, be just being more mindful and giving myself that time to unwind because I do work in front of a computer online um, all day. I'm, and when I'm not on that, I'm on my phone checking texts or Instagram or whatever. Um, so I really do try to unplug and unwind. And for me, before um, going to the gym allowed me that because I could leave my phone in my bag. I wasn't checking it. Um, and now that's where it's really hard for me because I love yoga, but I'm not experienced enough to just put my mat down and go for it by myself. So at home, I do the online. But the problem when I when I do online is that if I get a text, I still get a notification and I end up looking at my phone, not doing yoga. So when I'm unwinding, um, I really do try to find those times to unplug. So I will leave my phone at home and go for a hike with the dogs. Um, or sometimes it's not even being active. Sometimes it's just getting away. So in the summer for me, um, we do have a camping trailer and we try to, um, this summer, actually, we've planned it out where it's almost every other week that we're going away. So I'm guaranteed two days of just sitting outside and enjoying nature. Um, and if my phone dies and I forget my charger at home, it's not the end of the world. It's actually way better because I'm not glued to a screen. Um, so th- that's that's two ways. But I also, um, my little guy, he's this, this summer, um, he's already learned to bike without his training wheels on um which is awesome because now he can keep up with me a little bit um so we've been going on a lot more bike tours around town um so it's just finding those moments for me to get outside because i'm away from my screen um and yeah just breathe it in and relax a little bit what about you jackie Yeah, this is probably the worst thing that I do. Um, I'm not very good. In fact, I'm horrible at it. And pandemic has has made it even worse. Um, My brain is always going someplace else. And 
I like you have, you know, this thing, my phone beeps and an email pops up and it's been horrible for me. Um, but, and I'm not like, I'm, I'm horrible, horrible, horrible at doing this. It's shutting things off. And we had Tracy Stewart on last week. And I remember an old boyfriend of hers saying, can't you just be, and I have difficulty just being, but there's two times that I've discovered that I can just be and totally throw all my energies into something. And I play guitar. And if I play guitar, it's two hours. It's two hours of just me playing my guitar, singing, by the way, everybody leaves. Um, so that's an opportunity for me just to unplug from the world. The second thing that I've discovered is mountain biking. And um, I, we're, you know, the people I mountain bike with are, are much better, but they're very, they're, it's, so it's the monodeferrin track. And to me, it's, it's pretty difficult because I'm going over stumps and I'm doing hairpin turns and I'm so absorbed in what I'm doing. I have to 100% focus on what I'm doing. And an hour goes by and I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, we've been biking for an hour. And so for me, it's training my brain to focus only on one thing. So that's something that I've got to relearn. I was a huge reader and I struggle with reading now. I can't stay focused. So that's going to be kind of my goal for the summer is focus on one thing at a time. Um, so I'm not doing very well at it, um, but that's kind of what I want to do this, this summer. Dave? Fill us in, buddy. What do you got? Well, I mean, I think for me, it's it's hiking, getting out in nature and kind of not hearing the hustle and bustle anymore. And I mean, this weekend, uh, we were fortunate enough to have a four-day weekend. And, you know, right before that garbage sleep, like just absolute garbage sleep. And it was kind of stressful that week or the day before. And we... Joe woke me up and uh, she's like, okay, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, yeah, She's like, do you, are you feeling motivated? I'm like, no, 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 no. She's like, do you still want to go? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, do you want to actually go? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we finally got there. And like, as soon as we stepped off the parking lot onto the trail, it was like, I felt completely better. And, you know, after your legs are burning and all this kind of stuff, it got to that point where you're like, yeah, this is where, I'm supposed to be in for me it's the out, outdoors I've always enjoyed even as like a kid like water water's like my thing oceans streams ponds lakes whatever and um, I think a good thing for us this year is we got patio furniture that like we can spend a lot of time out on and that we've really enjoyed I mean I think over those four days the only time that we were inside was like to shower to sleep and to prepare some meals and everything else was spent outside listening to the wind through the, through the leaves and like that was that's my thing and I, I love it I'm so happy um that we live in the area that we live and the the place that we live for me it's it's perfect and I'm super happy about that that's awesome yeah it's good thank you you've given me some fodder to practice on so thank you <laughs> No problem. But uh, I want to thank everybody else for uh, joining us this week, for listening. And uh, you know, until next time, we're going to talk food. We'll talk fitness. And we'll do it together.
Thank you for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Food and Fitness Podcast. Join us next time when we talk with Amanda Stockley-Halls, who is a certified athletic therapist with a master's degree in rehabilitative science and former head athletic therapist with Field Hockey Canada, as well as being part of the core medical team for a variety of games, such as the Pan Am Canada Games, Invictus Games, and Indigenous Games, to name a few.